أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم حميم والكتاب المبين إنا جعلناه قرآنا عربيا لعلكم تعقلون وإنه في أم الكتاب لدينا لعلي حكيم رب الشحى صدري ويسر لي أمري وحن الوقت تم لساني يفقه قولي فالحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ثم أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته so we're beginning inshallah ta'ala our journey through surah az-zukhruf the surah is paired in in many ways with the next surah that's coming after it that becomes obvious even from their opening passages surah al-dukhan and this surah as we go through it you'll see that the subject matter of children and how you know daughters were not preferred by the mushrikun and even they attributed daughters to Allah azza wa jal is going to be mentioned and in addition we'll see some interesting new things new the uh, new insights into the psychology of kufr how how disbelievers think and what they expect from allah azza wa jal so let's begin hamim wal kitab al mubin and i swear allah swears by the book that is absolutely clear and clarifying inna ja'alnahu qur'anan arabiyan the the oath is to the point that we no doubt have made it an arabic qur'an la'allakum taqilun so that you may understand it ja'al in arabic translates as make now in English we say, you know, your maker is Allah, your creator is Allah, right? Make and create are similar in English. In Arabic they're not. In Arabic khalaqa and ja'ala are very different. Ja'ala is to actually take something that's already there and transform it. That's why they call it muta'addi ila maf'ulain. It's to take something that already exists and transform it. In other words, for example, وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَاكُمْ أُمَّةً وَسَطَى Allah made you a middle nation. So you're already there, and he made you into a nation. So, for example, Allah can say, or I can say, for example, to you, mudarrisan. I made you a teacher. I made you a teacher. So there's two parts, you and then teacher. As though you were transformed and turned into a teacher. That's what ja'ala does. So Allah says, inna ja'alnahu qur'anan. We made it an Arabic qur'an. The revelation with Allah in Lawhul Mahfud, in its original form, what, whatever language that divine language is, Allah took that and made it Arabic so we can understand. جَعَلْنَاهُ قُرْآنًا عَرَبِيًا لَعَلَّكُمْ تَعْقِلُونَ So that all of you may understand. As if Allah Azawaj is saying the owner of all languages, the original language, the original revelation is beyond us and then Allah made it. Allah, the transformation of it himself is from Allah Azawajal. So he made it this way. And what's the original? وَإِنَّهُ فِي أُمِّ الْكِتَابِ The original, the who, is in the mother of, of the book, Umm al-Kitab, the, the essential book. It's called Fi Lawhin Mahfuz. It's in the guarded lawh, the guarded tablet. It's called Fi Kitabun Maknoon, the hidden away book, the vaulted book. Okay? So there are different names given to the same thing. That, that original scripture that is with Allah, that treasure from which He reveals all revelations to humanity. Ladaina, it is in our possession. La Aliyun Hakib, it truly is very high and full of wisdom. These are the names of Allah used in the previous surah, Aliyun Hakim, and now we're seeing them used as a description of the book, the Lawhul Mahfuz, that is with Allah Azawajal. Umul Kitab also. That's the other name of it. Afanadribu Ankumudhikra Safhan and Kuntum Kawa Musrifin. Very interesting question. Darabaan in Arabic means taraka. Tarabawa an ma'an, yani taraka. To leave, to abandon. 
Don't be Are we gonna just walk away from you? Are we just gonna leave you? The, the, the mention, the reminder, this Quran, are we just going to say, okay, well, you people, there's no point bothering with you anymore. Safhan, Safh in Arabic, literally Safha means page. Safaha, to turn away from somebody. To turn away from somebody. Also, Safaha means to forgive somebody. So as an excuse, you think we're just going to walk away from you as an excuse? And what's the excuse? That you have been for a long time an excessive nation. What this means in simple language is, Oh, you know, these people didn't expect, accept the message. It's understandable, you know, they've been, they have a different lifestyle. You know, it's, it, you shouldn't bother talking to them. Sometimes in your life you'll meet people, and you say, we should tell them something about Islam. I don't think you want to talk to those guys. They're a little too, you know, they're a certain class of people that don't want to hear anything about Islam. So let's leave them alone. Their excuse is that they're too elite. Or their excuse is that they're just way out there, so that's why we shouldn't even bother. So Allah says, you think we're just going to abandon this message from coming to you just because you are excessively criminal na a nation? This message should be for the religious. This should be for the righteous. Why is it for you, right? Why even bother with us? We're way out there. This ayah is very powerful in helping us understand who is the audience of the Qur'an. Who's the audience of the Qur'an? These halaqat, alhamdulillah, are for the willing. People that are willing to sacrifice time away from work, time away from family in the middle of their Ramadan fast to come and sit and try to listen to something from the Qur'an. That's the willing. But these ayat are coming about the unwilling. And it's as though the unwilling are saying, why are you even bothering with us? We're, we're the goners. These, these conversations, this revelation doesn't apply to us. So Allah says, oh, because you're so out there, that's why we should just walk away and not give you this message. And how many... Did we send out of all prophets? Now, this is very difficult to compare our struggles with Islam with the prophets' struggles. From many points of view, even from a social perspective. The Lut went into the nadi, into the public places, and complained. You do evil deeds in your public places. In the marketplace, Shu'ayyub went to the mall and did da'wah. He started preaching to the people. Rasul went to the town hall meetings of Quraysh. These are public spaces. This is where life goes on. This is not the place for religion. They'll tell you, right? This is not the place for religion. That's where the prophets went and delivered this message. And that's why the response is, why are you talking to us, of all people? You know? There's an interesting fellow who lives in New York. He's not a speaker. He's not a scholar. He's not a khatib. He's none of those things. But all he does is he hangs out at nighttime near the... You know, it, it's one part, some parts of neighborhood, some neighborhoods in Queens or in New York, they're like concentrated Muslim neighborhoods, okay? And a lot of these Muslim kids, they're up to all kinds of stuff. And of course, it's New York City, so there's lots of opportunities to do stuff too. So there's this entire like strip scene where there's club after club after club, and all these Muslim kids get together there. It's like a known thing. They get together there. So this guy literally goes there and just starts talking to random guys about Islam that are in line to get into the club. Says, hey man, you want to go out and grab some dinner or something? Let's talk about some stuff. I want to discuss something with you, etc. He's got this huge following. He's got a huge following. It's all kind of like an underground following. They don't even know where the masjid is. But they pray now. They've stopped going out there. And it's just that he dared to go where people would think, why would anybody want to hear about Islam over there? You know what I'm saying? That's not the place for it. But th this, is, this is what these ayat are. You go to the places where you don't think Islam would be talked about. And you bring it up there. 
those are the people that once, once they hear it, it's a different message. It's a different world out there. You know, the religious community, we are, for better or for worse, we're in a bubble. Okay, we're around really nice people, really decent people. Our idea of a bad person is someone who didn't wake up for Fajr, which is a pretty big deal. But, I mean, there's pretty, pretty big evil out there, right down the street from our neighborhood. You know, and we are sometimes oblivious to the fact that Allah sent us as ambassadors of Islam to those places to bring people out of those ruts. You know? And how many messengers did we send in the earliest generation? Same process, same procedure. We didn't send any prophet whatsoever except that they were poked fun at. Then we destroyed the most powerful of them that had the power to grab and punish. Batsh, to grab and punish, to squeeze also. And the example of those who come, came before has already come to pass. It's already been described in detail. If you were to ask them who created the skies and the earth, they will absolutely say the one who created, who's the one who created them? The ultimate authority, the one who knows everything. The one who created the earth or made the earth for you into a comfort, a place of comfort, mahd. You could call it a cradle, you could call it a flooring, but a smooth flooring. Mahad is again from Mihad, the, the cradle of a mother. And he made pathways in it. See, Ja'ala is used again. We know what that means? It wasn't like that all the time. It was transformed into this. So that all of you may, may find your way. So you can be guided correctly. You can, you can go and commit yourselves to the right road when there are multiple pathways made between the mountains. He's the one who sent water down from the sky with precise measure, precise calculation. Then he raised by means of it. He lifted by means of it. Anshara. A land that was entirely dead. Maytan. Baldatan. Maytan. Not mayitan or mayitatan or mitatan. This is maytan. It's the mustad itself. The land which was characterized by death itself. The land itself reminded you of death. And that's the kind of land Allah raised again with life. كَذَلِكَ تُخْرَجُونَ That's how all of you will be brought out too. وَالَّذِي خَلَقَ الْأَزْوَاجَ كُلَّهَا The one, beautiful ayat, the, ones who, the one who created spouses, all of them, كُلَّهَا, all kinds of spouses. وَجَعَلَ لَكُمْ مِنَ الْفُلْكِ وَالْأَنْعَامِ مَا تَرْكَبُونَ And he made out of ships and out of cattle, meaning like camels and horses and cows and things, things that you can ride. So you can have rides on animals and you can, ride, you can have rides on ships. But then he says, He made them in a way, he made ships for you. Now, actually one thing we didn't notice here, Allah put two things that he made for us as rides, ships and cattle. But cattle we can understand, you would think ships we designed. Allah didn't make, but actually he already taught us that the ship was made by Nuh under revelation. So the, the, the engineering of ships is actually something inspired by Allah Azza wa it's revelation. It's something that Allah Himself gave. So matarkabun, so that, that which you write, ala so that you can be evened out, you can take your place on its backs, on the backs of a ship, and you know, uh, on the backs of an animal. Istawa yastawi here means, you know how a king comes and takes his throne, sits down in his place, so when you have a comfortable seat, and you finally sit down and you say, ah, okay, this is good. 
So you, the, the image there, your new cattle, your new cow, and your new camel is your Toyota. That's your Honda. I'm talking to Muslims, so you don't really go beyond those brands. So I don't know. It's probably one of those two, right? Or a variation thereof. Maybe a Nissan if you're adventurous. So you go and you sit in your car. And what do you do? You adjust the seat because the wife was sitting in it before. So you move it back, you move it up, you move it to the side, move the adjustment, and you go, okay, this is Tastawu. The guy climbing on a horse, his leg is a little halfway up, he's tipping over, he finally gets up on it, <coughs> sets himself on, this is Istawa. People are boarding onto a ship, they finally found their seat. Ah, guy sits on a plane, you're getting in the line in the plane, you do the poverty parade past the first class, you know. And you get to your seat finally, and you put your luggage on top, and you put your thing under the chair in front of you, and you pretend to turn your cell phone off, and you sit down and go, This is لِتَسْتَوُوا عَلَى ظُهُرِهِ You like that? ثُمَّ تَذْكُرُوا نِعْمَةَ رَبِّكُمْ Then you should mention, thereafter you mention the favor of Allah on you. نِعْمَةَ رَبِّكُمْ إِذَا اسْتَوَيْتُمْ عَلَيْهِ The moment you are relaxed on top of that. وَتَقُولُوا And so that you can say سُبْحَانَ الَّذِي سَخَّرَنَا هَذَا وَمَا كُنَّا لَهُ مُقْرِنِينَ وَإِنَّا إِلَىٰ رَبِّنَا لَمُنْقَلِبُونَ All of you have learned this dua since you were kids. Your parents made you say it when you got in the car. Okay, everybody, time for the congregational dua. سُبْحَانَ الَّذِي سَخَّرَنَا And all of you just kind of hummed along. Like, hmm, 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 hmm. You didn't say anything. But you're supposed to. At least my kids, some of them are very good hummers. They go, hmm, 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 <laughs> now, the point I wanted to highlight here is Allah said He made ships and cattle so that li, so that you can ride on them, be comfortable on them. And another reason He made them <coughs> is so you can make this dua. The reason He made cattle, there's many reasons, and one of the reasons is this dua. This dua is not there because you have a ride, you have a ride because this dua is there. It's the other way around. You understand what I just said? Allah, gave, Allah wanted this dua to exist. And one of the reasons for which we have transportation in our life, the illa of it, the sabab of it is, وَلِتَقُولُوا So that you can say, how perfect is the one who subdued this for us, who put this under us. And now let me tell you, rides have a lot to do with pride. Rides and pride are two parts of the same thing. A nice horse back in the day. A nice horse. There's a different look on the guy's face. The guy who's driving, riding a nice horse, he's got a different look than the guy who's driving a donkey. They have a different look on their face. You know? He's got, a, he's, got, he's got a Ferrari. There's a look that comes with it. And he makes sure he takes it to the car wash. The guy with the donkey doesn't take it to the car wash. I don't, I'm not saying take a horse to a car wash, but I, but I hope you get the point. He's going to clean it up. It's going to be nice. It gets, it, people are going to look at him, whoa, that's nice. And he's going to notice that people are noticing. And he's really big on people noticing. So what does he do? He puts spinner rims on his horse. Right? He puts neon lights and like flashlights that are on the bottom twisting. That's not because he's outside the car, he's inside the car. This is for everybody else to see. Look what I got, yo. That's my ride. Or he'll take the, the silencer off the muffler. So every time he drives his car, he goes, Brrr. So 
that people should know that I am passing through. Rides have a lot to do with pride. And then people that are at a, at a different level. Then you have people that are riding in private jets. You have people that have boats. It's a different level of pride. Private boat. You know, their yacht. You know. Funny story about a yacht. There's this Pakistani family that won the lottery. Don't ask. And uh, so, I mean, we knew them. And just, you know, just came into money that they've never seen before. And so the auntie was explaining to me, yeah, you know, the yachet is in the back. I was like, yeah, okay, the yachet. That's good, that's good. <laughs> They'll get it eventually. But they even bought a yachet. You know, it's a point of pride. So what does Allah say? How powerful, how perfect is the one who subdued this, who put this under our control. Meaning it's a statement of humility the moment you get in your ride. You're supposed to be humble. Because that's, that's the one place, one of the places in, in life where a person can become full of pride. He put this under our control. And we were not going to have any authority, any control. We're not going to be in control. We're not going to have power over it. If this horse goes crazy, I won't be able to do anything. If those brakes fail, and I'm going 80 miles an hour, there's nothing I can do. I'm not in control of it. You know, those mechanisms, yeah, it's German import or it's, you know, Japanese design, reliable, but reliable only to a point. These, there's so many moving parts inside your car. Anything can go, a tire blows out and you're going 85 miles an hour. I'm not in control. Well, we, were, we were never, ever, ever in control of these creatures, these rides that we have. And it is only to our master that we are going to be returned anyway. In other words, we're going on a ride, which means we're leaving home. You're going to come back home, right? But you might not come back home. But one, play, one thing is for sure, you will come back home to Allah. It's a very powerful acknowledgement, one of humility, two of the fragile nature of life. We're only going to be returned to Allah anyway. So maybe we will, we're going on this journey, but we won't make it. It's an acknowledgement of how, uh, uh, how volatile you and I are when we are traveling in our cars, on our horses, on our planes, on our ships. How volatile, at those, those are moments of death. I mean, if you've ever pondered or just reflected at the fact that you and I are in a, in a piece of metal that's hurling through at speeds never before known in history, along with other pieces of metal that are very large, side by side with each other. Just the fact that you're cruising on a highway, the speeds at which you're going, that's crazy. It's a really scary thing. If human beings from previous generations saw that, they'd say, I'd never do that. That's crazy. You know how you see like, some crazy you know, daredevil rides and people jumping off planes and you know, paragliding and you know, those, those, that crazy jump thing, the rubber band thing? I would never do that. People of older generations, if they just saw us driving, they'd say, these people are crazy. What, do they want to die? Yeah. They just, it's ridiculous. It's so life-threatening. How many accidents happen every day? How many people die in accidents every day? But well, we still get back on the car, don't we? And this is just the nature of life. But this is an acknowledgement. Truly to Allah alone, finally we're going to be returned. And they made for him, from out of his slaves, 
The thing that has a portion from his slaves. What does this mean? It's a complex language, but it means something very simple. إِشَارَةً إِلَى الَّذِينَ نَسَبُوا إِلَى اللَّهِ الْوَلَدِ تَعَالَ اللَّهَ عَنْ ذَلِكُ عُلُوًا كَبِيرًا ذَلِكَ لِأَنَّ الْوَلَدِ جُزْءٌ مِنْ أَبِيهِ That's the point. You see, a child is a part of its parents. It's the mother and the father's bodies. It ha he has portions of both physically that brought him into being. So to call somebody somebody's child is to say they're a part of him. That's why the word juz is used. So out of his slaves, they took some, human, like they, they attributed some people, like Isa salam, and declared him a part of God, juz. And that's why in tr Christian theology, they'll also say God is three parts. He's part God, part man. You know, divinity, Jesus is a part of God. The Holy Ghost is a part of God. That's how they describe it. This is the word juz. The human being truly is extremely ungrateful, obviously. And then they add, for the mushrikun specifically, Allah adds, did, they, did he take from whatever he creates, banatin, daughters, and so purely he preferred for you to have sons. So he wants daughters and you have sons. This is again not just a matter of shirk, it's the matter of what you give to God and what you take for yourself. You hate having daughters. And you love having sons. So you give Allah daughters and you take sons, huh? وَإِذَا بُشِّرَ أَحَدُهُمْ بِمَا ضَرَبَ لِلرَّحْمَانِ مَثَلًا And whenever one of them is congratulated with the same thing that he attributed to Allah. The example, the likeness he gave to Allah is that of having daughters. So congratulations, just like God apparently, you have a daughter too. ظَلَّ وَجْهُهُ مُسْوَدًّا His face turns black. Like a dark cloud is hanging over his face the moment he hears that he had a daughter. And he is swallowing his rage. And he's just holding it in. Like he doesn't want to let people know how embarrassed he is, how depressed he is, that it's a girl. Should have been a boy. And this ayah is about the mushrikun. This came before too. It was about the mushrikun. People who had jahiliyyah who thought daughters are better, and the news of having a daughter was depressing to them. But guess what? This jahiliyyah, even though it's in Allah's book, and it's so harshly criticized, it's still present in the Muslim world. People have daughters and they just get depressed. Like another one? Oh, oh my God. They don't even, like, you don't even consider what Allah described. I told you in the previous surah, what was described as a gift first? Daughters were described as a gift first, then sons. And then the kur. First inath. Because they're a gift. The Prophet ﷺ, famous hadith, one of the most beautiful hadith on the subject. Anybody of you has three daughters or three sisters and you're good to them, there's no, no exception, you'll enter Jannah. Three daughters, three sisters. Alhamdulillah, I got four daughters, three sisters. Alhamdulillah, I just, the only part left is now being good to them. That's the only slight complication in the hadith. But, <laughs> but it's a means of congratulations. And then his face turns black and then Allah comments about an, an attitude they had. They look towards girls as something that's like, what's, what good is it? 
What are, what good? What are they going to do? So Allah comments on their mentality. He says, The one who's brought up in jewelry, she's just all to this place with her little earrings and her necklace. You know, it's all, and her, 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 what do they call those things? Bracelets. bracelets, sorry, yeah, bracelets. I don't even know what they're called. Thingamajiggers. That's all she plays with all the time. She's brought up in those things. When she's little, she has pretend jewelry. She gets bigger, she wants real jewelry. She just wants decoration, glitter, trinkets. You know, my, my boys, their room is full of cars. Just cars. Or action figures that smash into cars. Just, this is their game. Three girls in the same room. You go to the girls' room, it's little tiny things that can't be described. I don't think science has labels for them yet. Trinkets is what I like to call them. A little pin, a little art thing that they're going to stick in their hair, a little jewelry, decoration, decorative items. They're just raised in that. And those, the Arabs sees that, that nature of a girl, and not, not all girls are like that, but it's common. And he says, this is all they're good for. And you would wonder why it's yunsha and hua, if it's talking about a girl. That's what the man allows you to do. The word man allows you to use the masculine, even if you're talking about the feminine. And when it came, comes to arguing, fighting, because the Arabs, the big thing you need boys for is what in the end? Fighting on your behalf. What's this girl going to... People start yelling at her, she won't be able to say anything. She's going to get scared and say, oh, what the, She's not clear. She's shy. Every time I yell at her, she's, she kind of shivers. How is she going to help me? That's the attitude they have towards girls. That's the, that's, that's, Allah says, oh, that's why, right? That's why you get so depressed. And they took angels. And they made angels. Those that are the slaves of Ar-Rahman. And they made them girls. And this transition is really powerful. So in the previous ayah, it's as though Allah is commenting on the weakness attributed to girls in the mind of the mushrik. So girls really just play with jewelry. They can't even argue back. They're so powerless. And then angels are girls? Oh. As though angels are what? Weak. They can't do anything. You're messing with the wrong bunch of people. Angels. You know, hum ibadur rahmani inatha. Did they witness their creation? Their testimony is going to be written down. Now let me tell you, who's going to write their testimony down that they called angels girls? Angels. <laughs> oh man. And they will be asked. Now who's going to be asking? Angels. Allah doesn't even address them on Judgment Day. Allah won't even talk to them on judgment day. So who's going to be doing the interrogating? Angels are. So those mighty angels are saying, so I look weak to you. I heard. You know? <laughs> and they said, if Allah, had Allah wanted, we wouldn't have worshipped other people. We wouldn't have worshipped those angels. Or those other, whom here implies other saints or people like Isa salam, others. They have no knowledge of this. When they say Allah wanted, this is predestined. They have no knowledge what they're talking about. They're doing nothing but making wild guesses. Kharas, remember? Kharas, the guy who looks at the, the, the palm tree and says, this palm tree has 827 dates. I could tell. No, you can't. 
But the guy talks like he knows exactly what he's talking about, but you know he's just blowing hot air. That guy is called Kharras. That's just, just making stuff up and making it sound really compelling. Like car salesmen. Kharras. Okay? Like Wall Street analysts. They sound like they really know what they're talking about. They're making stuff up. Just out of thin air. The stock's going up. I'm telling you, guaranteed, you're missing out. Blah, blah, blah. You know? And you're listening to them like, wow, this guy's got a lot of terminology. He really knows what he's talking about. No, he doesn't. It's just all empty talk. So Allah says, these, these are the kind of people, first of all, they're good talkers because they're kharras. Number one, they're well-spoken. Two, they use predestination as an argument to justify their behavior. They say, if Allah wanted, I would have been a Muslim. I wouldn't have done shirk. So you'll find people like that that are very well-spoken, that seem like they've got, they know exactly what they're talking about, and then they use predestination as their justification. Or is it the case that we've given a book to them from way before? Look at the previous surah. Allah said, Amlahum shuraka lahum. Do they have associates that made sharia for them? Now he says, Do they have a book that Allah has given them? Fahum bihi mustamsikun. That they're holding on so tightly to this book? Istimsak, to hold on tightly? You know? Bal qalu inna wajadna aba'ana ala ummatin. No, no, no. They will say that we found, rather they'll say we found our ancestors committed to a, na- a nation, a legacy, ummah, a direction, a single focus. And we are going to be guided on their traces. Real guidance d- belongs on the footsteps and on the ruins of our nations, of our forefathers. And that is how we did not send in any town any warner at all from way before you except the same thing happened the elite that are delusional the ones that are blinded by their wealth they said in it we found our forefathers committed to this nation's way we're the ones that are going to stick to this way and we are going to be going along and following closely their traces, their footsteps and their legacy. We're going to be going along and committing ourselves to their way, their lifestyle. Tell them even if the case may be that I've brought you something more guided, ahda, this is comparative, more, compare, to, compare Qur'an to your lifestyle. Just compare it. From what your fathers were committed to, or what you found your fathers committed to, قَالُوا إِنَّا بِمَا أُرْسِلْتُمْ بِهِ كَافِرُونَ They said, whatever you have been sent with, we are in complete denial of. فَانْتَقَمْنَا مِنْهُمْ Then we took vengeance from them. فَانْظُرْ كَيْفَ كَانَ عَاقِبَةُ الْمُكَذِّبِينَ Then take a look for yourself. What was the outcome of those who called the message a lie? Al-Mukadhib, someone who calls something else a lie. إِذْ قَالَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ لِأَبِيهِ وَقَوْمِهِ When Ibrahim السلام, said to his nation, his father and his nation, إِنِّي بَرَاءٌ I am completely absolved. Bara is actually a more powerful word than bari. You know, أَنَّ اللَّهَ بَرِيءٌ مِّنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ وَرَسُولُهُ Allah is free, has nothing to do with the mushrikeen. Bara is actually, الفرق بينهما أَنَّ بُرَاءَ تُقَالَ لِلْمُفْرَدْ وَالْمُثَنَّى وَالْجَمْعَ Bura can be used for singular, pair, or plural. Bari can only be used for singular. So we say bari'un, bari'una and bari'ina for bari. But bura is one that can carry one, two, or three. Which is awesome that Ibrahim used it. He was an ummah. 
And right before it already, they, Allah Azza wa Jal talked about people holding on to their ancestry and their nation. And here, in, uniquely ummah was used even before. They were committed to an ummah. So Allah is telling us in between the lines, you want to commit to an ummah? Why not Ibrahim? Bura'un mimma ta'budun. I am absolved. I have nothing to do with the worship you guys are doing. With the exception of those who molded me, fashioned me, and created me so, so creatively, then he's in fact the one, he will soon guide me. And we made it, meaning what he said, the word that will last in his coming generations. What's coming right behind him. In other words, these words of holding on to Allah and not committing shirk are something Allah instilled into the children of Ibrahim alayhi salam. بِهَا إِبْرَاهِيمُ بَنِيهِ وَيَعْقُوبُ يَا بَنِيَّا إِنَّ اللَّهَ اصْطَفَى لَكُمُ الدِّينَ وَلَا تَمُوتُنَّ إِلَّا وَأَنْتُمْ مُسْلِمُونَ Ibrahim alayhi salam told his children just like, you know, Yaqub did. Children, Allah has chosen Islam for you, the deen for you. Don't die except that you're Muslims. This commitment to the oneness of Allah, Allah instilled in His children also. لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْجِعُونَ So that they may come back. In other words, so that people, that the rest of the people from His lineage can come back at the hands of the few that have been given prophethood. بَلْ هَؤُلَاءِ In fact, rather the case is that I have provided luxury to these people. I've given them a lot. وَآبَاءَهُمْ And I provided a lot to their ancestors too. حَتَّى جَاءَهُمُ الْحَقِّ until the messenger came to them, وَرَسُولٌ مُبِينٌ And a clear messenger. وَلَمَّا جَاءَهُمُ الْحَقِّ قَالُوا هَذَا سِحْرٌ When the truth came to them, they would say, this is, they, they said, this is magic. وَإِنَّ بِهِ كَافِرُونَ And we are in complete denial of it. We're, we're, we're disbelievers in regards to this message. وَقَالُوا لَوْلَا نُزِّلَ هَذَا الْقُرْآنِ They said, how come this Qur'an wasn't sent down عَلَى رَجُلٍ مِنَ الْقَرْيَتَيْنِ from, um, on a man from the two towns, Azim, a great man from the two towns. The two towns are Mecca and Taif. Those are the two towns that are being made reference to. They were economic capitals, and actually a lot of the elite of Mecca used to have gardens and extra properties in, uh, in Taif. Taif was like their California vacation home type situation. So they, buy, they bought extra properties in Taif. They owned gardens and stuff in Taif. So the two wealthy places were Mecca and Taif, because of its natural beauty and it's, it's a valley and things like that. And then Mecca, of course, because of the haram. So they said, I mean, this guy, God only had an orphan left to pick? There's so many wealthy people here that are already people of influence. When they speak, we listen anyway. Had they been made messengers, it would have been so much easier. Why pick him? What's so special about him? Am yaqsimuna rahmata rabbik? Are they in charge of dividing the mercy of your master? What's the mercy of your master in this ayah? The Qur'an. The Qur'an. Revelation. So now we're learning Qur'an is described in the Qur'an as mercy. As, rah- as an act of love. As an act of loving devotion from Allah. نَحْنُ قَسَمْنَا بَيْنَهُمْ We're the ones that divide between them. What, what do we divide between them? مَعِيشَتَهُمْ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا Their livelihood and luxuries in worldly life. وَرَفَعْنَا بَعْضَهُمْ فَوْقَ بَعْضٍ And we have elevated some over others. In other words, the people you call great are not great because of their own. I provided them. I made them what they are. And I'm providing this revelation. It's not coming from two different sources. The source from which this revelation comes is the same source from which the wealth of these people came. And he decides, he gives some and some, some more than others. And some are elevated in ranks above others. And then Allah describes why some people are given more wealth than others. So that some of them can put others to work. 
so that industry can exist. If everybody's a multi-billionaire, nobody's going to go into the lawn mowing business. Things aren't going to get done. So people have to hire people for, for industry, for economies to exist. There are some people that have more wealth, they're the investors, there's the capital, and then there's the labor. And the labor is literally the term sukhriya. That's the labor market. That's the labor. And then those who have wealth, that's the capital. And there's always going to be that. The people who make the investments and people who do the work. People who get hired. وَرَحْمَةُ رَبِّكَ خَيْرٌ مِمَّا يَجْمَعُونَ And the mercy of your master is better than the things that they gather. وَلَوْلَا And by the way here, what it implies is again, what they're gathering is wealth. And what you are gathering, the mercy of Allah is revelation. And revelation is better than wealth. This Qur'an is a greater treasure than all the other wealth. وَلَوْلَا أَنْ يَكُونَ النَّاسُ أُمَّةً وَاحِدًا Had it not been the case that people were, أَنْ يَكُونَ النَّاسُ أُمَّةً وَاحِدًا That people had been one nation altogether. لَجَعَلْنَا لِمَنْ يَكْفُرُ بِالرَّحْمَانِ لِبُيُوتِهِمْ سُقُفًا مِنْ فِضَّةً Then Allah would have made for people who disbelieve in Ar-Rahman, homes, for their homes, they would, He would have made roofs, سُقُفًا مِنْ فِضَّةً from silver. Allah is saying, if it didn't, this world and its treasures mean nothing to me. If you guys were all just one nation and all of you disbelieved, I still would have given you a lot of wealth. Disbelievers would have had roofs with silver on them. Roofs, by the way, get the least expensive materials in construction. Shingles and, you know, because you're not going to enjoy the roof. Roof is just there to protect your house. The walls, the flooring gets the most attention. The, roof, the ceiling especially gets the least attention of the roof. So Allah would have even, the, the most trivial part of their construction would have been elite. وَمَعَارِجَ And on top of that there would have been levels and levels and levels. There would have been multiple floor mansions. Ma'arij, one of the words for stairs in Arabic. عَلَيْهَا يَظْهَرُونَ On which they would climb, they would go on top. They would have, yeah, uruj, rises. So you have like, you know how you have really wealthy homes or really big homes? They have a room and then they have three steps and there's another room and it's kind of like multiple stages that the house goes in. Instead of just stairs, they have kind of multi-level kind of floors. This is, this is they go rise on top and they come on the bottom. وَلِبُيُوتِهِمْ أَبْوَابًا and وَسُرُورًا And on their homes they would have had massive gates and beautiful beds on which they would chill out, they would lean back. وَزُخْرُفًا and all kinds of glitter and beauty. Zukhruf yani al-dhahab, or yushbihu al-dhahab, something that looks like gold. So glorious colors, shiny colors. وَإِن كُلُّ ذَلِكَ لَمَّا مَتَاعُ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا Very interesting use of lamma here. Lamma actually bimakna illa. Lamma here does not mean the usual lamma. It actually means illa here. إِن كُلُّ ذَلِكَ إِلَّا مَتَاعُ الْحَيَةِ الدُّنْيَا It's a unique case in the Qur'an. And all of this is nothing but utilities of worldly life. وَالْآخِرَةُ عِنْدَ رَبِّكَ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ And the Akhirah, as far as your master is concerned, is for the people who have taqwa. The Prophet would go on to describe وسلم, that if this world meant something, disbelievers wouldn't even have the wing of a fly. If this world meant something. And Allah is telling us in this ayah, this world and its treasures don't mean much to him. They mean a lot to you. They don't mean much to him. He could have given them all these unimaginable treasures. Every single kafir would have, could have had this. If that's, the, if that's what it came down to, if everybody disbelieved. Because it means nothing to him. وَمَنْ يَعْشُ عَنْ ذِكْرِ الرَّحْمَانِ And whoever would ignore, turn away from the mention, the remembrance of the, of the ultimate 
the ultimately merciful. نُقَيِّضْ لَهُ شَيْطَانًا فَهُوَ قَرِينٌ We install, same phrase, where do pass, pass by? The qareen, the concept of a qareen. Somebody's put right next to you, the shaitan, that's personally your shaitan. And he runs around with you. Well, now we're learning the, one of the reasons for which this shaitan is placed. It's a jawab al-shart. Nuqayyid, jawab of ya'shu. The one who turns away from. The one who ignores. A'rada. Asha bima'na a'rada. To ignore something. And not pay attention to anything. He doesn't pay attention to remembering Ar-Rahman. Then we install for him, put in place for him, a shaitan. فَهُوَ لَهُ قَرِينَ And that shaitan is an associate to him. He's always with him. So now before we just learn qareen, now we know he's a shaitan that's a qareen. An additional piece of information is given. وَإِنَّهُمْ لَيَصُدُّونَهُمْ عَنِ السَّبِيلِ And those shayateen, those devil, that, that personal devil of yours, they're the ones that obstruct them from the path. وَيَحْسَبُونَ أَنَّهُمْ مُهْتَدُونَ While they assume that they are in fact committed to guidance. So it will take them off the path, but convince them that they are on it. Or convince them that they're living a very righteous lifestyle. حَتَّى إِذَا جَاءَنَا Until he gets to us. Until finally the disbeliever comes to us. And when he comes to Allah, he comes with his qareen. The invisible shaitan that was with him all his life. Now he's visible. So he says, قَالَ يَا لَيْتَ Oh, he said, oh my God. Ugh. If only between you and me was the distance of two Easts. What does that mean? Why not? Why It's a very powerful rhetorical phrase. What does mashriq literally mean in, in language? The place where the sun sets or sun rises. The place where the sun rises. Now, imagine you, which means it's an impossible distance. The phrase mashriq, also in, like a, as a literary term, an impossible distance. Because you want to reach where the sun rises, you'll never reach there. So now imagine you cross that impossible distance, and figuratively speaking, you finally reached where the sun rises. Even if I got there, and then I started all over again another mashriq. So two impossible distances. Bu'd al-mashriqayn. فَبِئْسَ الْقَرِينَ What a horrible qareen you are. Qareen, by the way, someone who's chained to you, tied to you. مُقَرَّن بِك Right? مُقَرَّنِينَ فِي الْأَصْفَادِ كَمَا يَصْفِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى They're chained together. The criminals are chained together. So he wishes that he was at an impossible distance away from him. But he's, he's been with him all along. And in Jannah, he's stuck to him. وَلَنْ يَنْفَعَكُمُ الْيَوْمَ إِذْ ظَلَمْتُمْ أَنَّكُمْ فِي الْعَذَابِ مُشْتَرِكُونَ Today, this conversation, even if they're wrong, if they're far away, it won't benefit you today. If, in fact, the case was, when you had done wrong, أَنَّكُمْ فِي الْعَذَابِ مُشْتَرِكُونَ At the time you were doing wrong, you were both partners in crime, you're going to be partners in punishment. أَنَّكُمْ فِي الْعَذَابِ مُشْتَرِكُونَ You're going to be partners in punishment. أَفَأَنْتَ تُسْمِعُ are you going to make the deaf one listen? Are you going to guide the blind one? The one who's clearly misguided, who's a lost cause, whose qareen has got a total hold of him? If, we, if the case were that we removed you, Allah says, to remove. If we removed you, if we gave, if Allah says, if He gave the Prophet death, or we removed you, took you to another town. Forget Makkah, leave them. Let's go somewhere else. If we did that, then in that case, we will be taking serious revenge from them. The fact that you're here is the reason they're not destroyed. 
Makkah is being told the Prophet is with you. When a Prophet leaves, when Nuh leaves, what happens? When Salih leaves, what happens? When Shu'aib leaves, what happens? If we remove you, they're done. The only reason they're surviving is you're there. Or we could just, at least, the very least, we could just absolutely show you, we have the power to show you the things we've promised them. What we promised them is the punishment, Allah could show the Messenger what, it, what it's going to look like. Then we are completely in control over them. Muqtadir is more powerful than Qadir. Qadir is someone who has control. Muqtadir, someone who has absolute control over them. Fastamsik, Allah asks rhetorically to them, are they holding on to a book? Allah says to the Messenger, no, they have nothing to hold on to tightly. You hold on to what has been revealed to you. You, in fact, are committed to a straight path. No doubt it is a remembrance. It is a reminder. It is a way to remember Allah, the Quran. For you and your nation, we're the nation, we should listen up. Quran calls the Itself, Allah calls the Quran, it's a dhikr for you, Prophet, وسلم, and anybody who claims that they're in his nation. They should remember Allah through the Quran. And soon all of you will be asked. Now who's all of you in the ayah? If the ayah began, Laka wali qawmik, you and your nation. Then the, then Allah says, All of you will be asked, meaning all of you and me. All of us will be asked. How much was Quran dhikr for you? Hada dhikrun, laka wali qawmik. How much, how much did you remember Allah through the Qur'an? How much Qur'an did you even try to memorize? How much did you try to recite it? How much did you try to remember its teachings when the time came? When you were put to tests? Ask the one that we've sent before you. Now what does that mean? The Prophet is supposed to ask messengers that came before him? And even he might have been wondering when the ayah came down, what does that mean? How can I ask anyone who came before me? Until Allah took him on mi'raj. And he gets to ask those who came before him. He gets to converse with previous messengers. Mir rusulina, from, from our messengers. Have we ever put anyone other than Rahman as gods that they should be worshipping? And we had absolutely already sent Musa السلام, with our miracles to Fir'aun and his chiefs. Then he said, no doubt, I am the messenger of the master of all nations. Then whenever he came to them with our miracles, at the very moment, immediately, they would start, they, should, they would start making fun of them and start laughing at the ayat, at the miracles. So that's supposed to make me a believer? The snake thing? <laughs> that's what they would do. Just like condescending laugh. And we would never show them a miracle except that the, it would be bigger than its sister, the one before who came before. What does sister mean? When you see two sisters, you say, like, oh, are you two sisters? Why? Because you look like you're from the same mother, you have similarity. Well, two sisters that are miracles means this miracle seems like it's the last one, but it's a little bit different. But it must be from the same source. That's ukht. So it was, it was even bigger than the, its, its sister. وَأَخَذْنَاهُمْ بِالْعَذَابِ And finally we took them on with, we, we took a hold of them with punishment. لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْجِعُونَ So that they may come back. In other words, it's not talking about the flood that squashed Fir'aun and his armies. It's the nine signs. The, the rain of blood and the, the disease, the locust and all this stuff. So that they could get their act together. So Allah is reminding us of this because actually something similar is about to happen to the Makkans. The Makkans were enveloped 
by a drought, a serious drought, and there was all there was wind taking taken over the entire town, and it looked like smoke, like there were fires happening because of the dryness, the extreme dryness, and fires happening, and the entire city was enveloped in smoke. Okay, and and Allah will make reference to that, and it's similar to the test given to Musa alayhi salam and Fir'aun with these nine signs. وَقَالُوا يَا أَيُّهَا السَّاحِرُ اُدْعُوا لَنَا رَبَّكَ بِمَا عَيْدَ عِنْدَكَ They said, the, the chiefs of Fir'aun said, Magician, they didn't say Musa, they say, أَيُّهَا السَّاحِرُ Magician, call on your master to bring about بِمَا عَيْدَ عِنْدَكَ whatever promise he's made with you. إِنَّنَا لَمُهْتَدُونَ Certainly we are going to be guided. What this means also is, please give your, go magician, talk to your God and remove these miracles. The promise of relief. Why don't you get that from him? If you get, if you get the signs to be removed, if you get the, the calamities to go away, we're ready to become Muslims. فَلَمَّا كَشَفْنَا عَنْهُمُ الْعَذَابِ Then when we removed, alleviated the difficulties from them, إِذَا هُمْ يَنْكُثُونَ Out of nowhere, immediately, they start violating the agreement. نَكَثَ To go back on an agreement. So the agreement was, you remove these problems from us, these signs that were coming to Fir'aun and his chiefs, we're ready to become Muslim. Immediately, the moment... Their, Allah's end of the deal is met, they go back on it. وَنَادَ فِرْعَوْنُ فِي قَوْمِهِ يَا قَوْمِ Fir'aun turns to his nation and says, My nation, أَلَيْسَ لِي مُلْكُ مِصْرَى Don't I alone own the kingdom of Egypt? The authority of Egypt, مُلْكُ مِصْرَى وَهَذِهِ الْأَنْهَارُ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِي Don't these rivers flow under my feet? I get to decide where to put a dam, where to flow the water, which city I should drown, which city I should k- kill with drought, and which city I should flourish. Don't I have control over the waters of Egypt too? Don't you understand how much power I have? Don't you see? This is the ayah of human beings declaring sovereignty. Sovereignty belongs to Allah. Human beings declaring sovereignty. And this happens at the individual level with Fir'aun, but it can happen at the societal level. See, the, the study of you know, political science and Islam is a very important study. When people say immaturely or prematurely, Islam and democracy are, either Islam hates democracy, is one side, Islam and democracy cannot coexist, or the other side says, no, Islam is completely compatible with democracy. The truth actually lies somewhere in between. The truth, and this requires more research and more discussion than we can offer here, but at least something of it. Look, in, a, in its pure form, democracy is basically the power of Fir'aun distributed to all po- the entire population, in its pure form. Fir'aun says, I have absolute control over the land. What does democracy say? The people have absolute control over the land. They get to decide what's wrong and what's right. Okay, so you took one guy that declared abs- absolute authority and you distributed it to the entire population. The basic principle is still human beings are sovereign. The basic principle is, still hasn't changed. It's, it's Fir'aun at the, at, the, at the distributed level. It's just mini Fara'ina. Every member of a democracy becomes a mini Fir'aun at the ideal level of democracy. Thankfully, the ideal level of democracy doesn't exist. There is no country in the world that actually distributes power to its people. That doesn't exist. There's always the social elite, the economic elite, etc. that contain power. And there's the perception of distribution of power in most societies. I, we have to admit in the United States it's closer to any other in its de- democracy by far, but still a long ways from what even what they would call an ideal democracy. It's a work in progress, they would call it. On the other hand, you have, well, Islam also has shura. 
Because you know, people who try to compare Islam and democracy, they talk about shura. Shura is what? You take everybody's opinion. And is that similar to democracy in that sense? There's only one kind of clause in an Islamic constitution that makes democracy and Islam kind of work together at the political level. At the political level. And that is that in the end, we have to admit, لَهُ مُلْكُ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ To Allah alone, the dominion, the sovereignty of the skies and the earth belong. And that's kind of like a, you know how the, the Declaration of Independence? Well, the, the Islamic law would be declaration of slavery to Allah first, before independence. And then you have independence. We are slaves to none but Allah and His sovereignty is supreme. And under that we have a democratic rule of law. So for example, in a modern Islamic, in some modern Islamic states like Turkey or you know, what, what, what's trying to be accomplished in Malaysia and some other things, some, some countries are ahead of others. So they're trying to implement some Islamic laws, right? And make them a constant part of the constitution. But in other areas, you're completely open to vote. You can vote on whether we should build a highway here or there or how many schools we should have in this district, or what should the sanitation department do, etc. Fiqh does not have to enter every nook and cranny of the administration. Sharia does not have to necessarily dictate and mandate school uniforms. You know, within a certain guideline, it doesn't have to mandate anything. It doesn't have to mandate how many streetlights you're going to have. It doesn't have to mandate what kind of sanitation departments there's going to be, or libraries and things like that. But it, where does the deen have a say in education? Morality. Mostly, it's, it's in two areas, education and morality. Even free speech, Islam had free speech all along. I mean, the, if, you, if you look at what the Qur'an quotes from the Jews and Christians when they were living under Muslim rule, the Prophet was the dominant authority, and the Jews and Christians were living under that rule. The things Allah quotes the Jews and Christians as saying, it makes it pretty clear we have freedom of speech. You know? If people can come, if, if Najran, you know, Christians, ministers can come to Masjid al-Nabawi, stay in the Masjid, and talk about Jesus being God, and the Prophet being a false prophet, and then being welcome as guests, then we have freedom of speech. We have an open society in, in, embedded in the original teachings of our deen. But this is after the, the, the morality and education. Like, what the, one of the main goals of an Islamic rule of law is education. One of its main targets is education. Because what does Islam teach us? Change comes at what level? Collective or individual? It comes at the individual level. Individual change is not impossible without, it's not possible without education. And then morality implying there are, there are industries or there are, um, you know, th uh, things that are haram, but they're also immoral. So, for example, there's a difference between pork which is haram, but you can't necessarily make a moral argument against pork. It's just meat. If the kafir eats it, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You can't say anything. It's no big deal. But then there's things like, you know, the, 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 the filth industry, the pornography industry, the alcohol industry. These are, in, they may, it may be haram, but it also has further consequences. It hurts others too. So in as much as it harms the one who's consuming it, there may be freedom. But the moment it starts crossing the line and harming somebody else, restrictions are placed. The prevention of harm is one of the deen's essential teachings. The, the rule of Islamic law is to prevent harm from coming to people. So gambling would be outlawed. Because rijsu min amal al-shaytan. You know? 
Those kinds of things, things that create corruption and crime in society would be outlawed. Other things would be free. And actually, I was talking to Sheikh Omar Suleiman recently about just alcohol. And you know, would, would for example, hypothetically, what are, what are fuqaha, fuqaha traditionally said about alcohol if people are living under Islamic rule and they're non-Muslims living there? Because non-Muslims aren't stopped. They're not stopped from drinking alcohol. Because the, the halal and haram that we have doesn't apply on them. So that we have an assumption and, and, a, and a picture is painted of if Allah's sovereignty is established of this repressive society where people won't be able to be themselves anymore and everywhere you turn there's going to be punishments and things like that. The punitive laws of Islam are very few. There's crime for murder, there's punishment of murder, there's punishment of open zina. I say open zina for witnesses. Other than that, what do you, I mean, there are initiatives taken by the companions, but they took those initiatives as heads of state. You can argue that that's not necessarily part of the original teachings, that could be, they have the right to take those initiatives as heads of state. And so, other heads of states in Islam can make their own judgments too on certain issues as times change. Like for example, Umar you know, put a moratorium on uh, uh, cutting the hand of the thief. Just put a moratorium on it. And that's even direct revelation. Because the time called for it, and he said this is the right thing to do. And we agree, the ummah agrees that was the right thing to do. You know? So there, are, there, there is a lot of flexibility in what Islamic society would look like. We are miles and miles and miles, if not away from seeing that. But even at a theoretical level, this conversation should be had in a mature way. So Muslims shouldn't just say, down with democracy, and they shouldn't just say, you know, let's give democracy a hug. It's something in between. And we have to have that kind of measured approach in all things that we take into account. Anyhow, so this, I brought this up because here, Fir'aun thinks all authority belongs to him. And then his propaganda campaign turns to you know, the population, and he says, am I not better than this guy? Hada? This one, meaning Musa, this humiliated one, don't you know his track record? He ran away from the country, he killed somebody. So he's going on a smear campaign, a negative ad campaign against Musa And then he adds, Musa he can't even speak clearly. Look, he's got a stutter. Ha! Huh. He's going to be the one you follow? What speech can he give? And so this is actually one of the great tactics of evildoers, especially in power, they try to poke fun at and d diminish the status of those who are calling people to the truth. And that's what he tried to do with this, this uh, you know, character assassination and humiliation of Musa dhahab. How come no bracelets of gold are thrown onto him? Or how come no angels come tied down with him? How come he doesn't have a legion of angels that are coming with him? Where is his king, grand kingdom? I have a legion of soldiers. Look at the gold on my hands. Look at my bracelets. What does he have? Very powerful ayah. We'll end with this ayah. He made... How can I put this? See, he comes from the word khafif, right? Light. But istighfaf is to actually make people dumb. Make their brains light to do a number on someone, to make the people not think for, be able to think for themselves. He did, he successfully 
made people stupid by means of his propaganda. And that's captured in the word fastakhaffa. People couldn't think for themselves. They heard the talk radio, they, they watched the, the, the interviews on TV, they heard the few negative ads, and they were sold. This is fastakhaffa qawmahu. They couldn't think for themselves. Brainwashed. He brainwashed his nation. Fata'uhu. Then they followed him. Then they followed him. And the word, the, the, the connection between brainwashing somebody and them not being able to think for themselves and lightness is very powerful. The one who can think for himself is heavy. The one who's light can be pushed around easily. He can't think for himself. You can sway him this way, you can sway him that way. فَأَطَاعُوهُ Then they followed him. إِنَّهُمْ كَانُوا قَوْمًا فَاسِقِينَ They were all a corrupt nation. All those who followed him, all those who didn't think for themselves, didn't use their heads, are considered corrupt by Allah. So with this, inshallah ta'ala, I'll give you your break. And it will be a rather short one. I was hoping to finish two surahs. Maybe we'll just finish one today. I don't know. Barakallahu li wa lakum. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. So the 55th ayah is where we're starting. Surat Az-Zukhruf. فَلَمَّا asafuna. Just to remind you, we were talking about the story of Fir'aun. فَاسْتَخَفَّ قَوْمَهُ He brainwashed his people. He made light of them. Didn't let them think for themselves. Then finally Allah says, فَلَمَّا asafuna. Then when they upset us. When they, when they tried to grieve us, intaqamna minhum, we avenged them. فَأَغْرَقْنَاهُمْ أَجْمَعِينَ And when we took revenge from them, we drowned all of them altogether. فَجَعَلْنَاهُمْ سَلَفًا Then we made them low. Salafan also means those who are... Uh, like salaf and safal, they're similar. Asfal, low. Salaf, that which is behind. Low and behind. So behind meaning they're just old history tales now. And those that are given as examples for others, like deterrence for others. This is a new thing that the Quraysh came up with. I'll give you some background, back, backdrop before we discuss the ayah. The first thing was, Quran says, Everything you worship other than Allah is the fuel of hellfire. So the Quraysh said, oh yeah, well people worship Jesus. So what about him? And they start like making noise and cracking jokes about it and saying, ah, gotcha, 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 like that. And that's the word yasiddun at the end. Yasiddun yani yarfa'una aswatahum bidhahik wa They just raise their voices. The other is that they said, this, every time Isa comes up, they say, oh, this guy, we've heard this before. We know some Christians over there. This guy is just preaching Christianity. That's all he's doing. He says, these, oh, so you have a problem with us taking angels as daughters of God, but you have no problem with the Son of God? Come on, get out of here, get out of here. And they just raise their noise and say, Muslims are saying the same exact things that Christians are saying. Even though we're never saying anything like that, but they take one word from it, Isa, oh, we know about all about Isa, and they fill in the blanks themselves. This tactic, we're learning multiple tactics. One tactic was Fir'aun used. He made fun of his people. He made fun of Musa. He said, "Oh, can't even speak clearly." Another tactic to undermine your opponent is to misquote them and misquote them very loudly so that they don't even get to respond. And then you cut to commercial. They do this on Fox a lot, if you notice. Like they'll invite a guest. Are you saying that you want socialism in America? No, I'm not. We'll be right back. The guy doesn't even get to respond. This is Yasiddun. This is exactly the tactic. So you misquote somebody, and you make this outrageous misquote, or you make it sound like you have this amazing answer to everything they had to say, and you don't even give, it, give them a chance to speak because of your obnoxious, loud tone. Okay? 
وَلَمَّا ضُرِبَ بْنُ مَرْيَمَ مَثَلًا When Maryam, the, the son of Maryam is given as an example إِذَا قَوْمُكَ مِنْهُ يَصِدُّونَ Then your nation, and here we're learning, they're still called your nation Meaning the Prophet the Quraysh are still called the Prophet's nation Which means he's not to abandon them yet You know how in this surah we learned? If, the, if you left them, if I took you away, they'd be destroyed But they're still your nation By, When this reaches the tipping point Then Allah will tell him قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرُونَ يَا قَوْمِي but ya ayyuhal kafirun then it's too late now you can't call them your nation anymore then it's over so idha qaumuka yaminu yasiddun then all of a sudden your nation these people of yours they start making noise oh look at them talking about christianity again it's the same thing that we've heard before or oh so he's going to burn in hellfire too and even though allah has explained it's those idols that are going to burn and those who were worshipped other than Allah will be questioned whether they did it, that they sanctioned it or not, and then they, they will testify against the very people that worshipped them. And they would say, Are our gods better? Or the, the ones that they are uh, uh, hitting for you, except for just debates. These are just, you know, they're just making up stuff. Don't, uh, uh, and they're talking about the Muslims. The one that they will hit for you. No, no, they're just a nation, Allah says, that they, they just want to engross in argument. They want to argue and argue and argue, and they don't want to hear the message. And so Allah is telling us, don't engage them in pointless argument. Don't just debate with people. And now Allah says, this is, meaning Isa is nothing but a slave that we. we did favor upon. Well, جَعَلْنَاهُ مَثَلًا لِبَنِي إِسْرَائِيلِ And we made him an example for Bani Israel. وَلَوْ نَشَاءُ لَجَعَلْنَا مِنْكُمْ مَلَائِكَةً فِي الْأَرْضِ يَخْلُفُونَ Had we wanted, we would have made angels out of you in the in, on the earth that would take khilafah يَخْلُفُونَ They would come one after the other. You were made khalifa, but Allah had Allah wanted, He would have given that khilafah to. The angels, khilafa meaning you'd come one after the other after the other. We wouldn't have had angels, uh, human beings at all. However, وَإِنَّهُ لَعِلْمٌ لِلسَّاعَةِ About Isa salam, And he is in fact a great sign. Ilm ka'alam. He is a great sign and he's going to be real knowledge for the hour. Meaning when he comes back, people will know absolutely the hour is right around the corner. And also when he comes back, the judgment, people that will truly start believing in judgment day. Ilmun he's, he's a great sign of Judgment Day, and he will be a convict, convincing knowledge of Judgment Day himself. His coming, now I know for a fact Judgment Day is coming. It's around the corner. Falatam tarunna biha, then don't you be in any doubt, don't you dare be in any doubt about it. Then follow me alone, or follow me rather. This is a straight path. Shaitan better not stop you, obstruct you. He certainly and absolutely is a clear enemy to you. وَلَمَّا جَاءَ عِيسَى بِالْبَيِّنَاتِ Speaking of Isa, when Isa came with clear miraculous signs, قَالَ قَدْ جِئْتُكُمْ بِالْحِكْمَةِ He said, I've come to you with wisdom. This word hikmah is very important in this ayah. Because Musa was given kitab, and Isa was given hikmah. There's, you know, Allah Azza wa Jal tells us, وَيُعَلِّمُهُمُ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحِكْمَةِ وَالتَّوْرَاتَ وَالْإِنْجِيلِ Allah will teach Musa Isa alayhi salam kitab and hikmah, book and wisdom, which means, i.e. التَّوْرَاتِ وَالْإِنْجِيلِ Tawrat is the kitab, Injil is the hikmah. So he says, قَدْ جِئْتُكُمْ بِالْحِكْمَةِ By the way, our book, Quran, 
Allah Azza wa Jalla says, وَيُعَلِّمُكُمُ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحِكْمَةِ Our Quran combines both of those. So it has elements of Torah and has elements of Injil both together. So I've come to you with hikmah, with wisdom. So that I can clarify for you some of the things that you've been disagreeing about and disagreeing in. Then be cautious and protect yourselves from the rage of Allah and obey me. No doubt Allah is my master and yours. So enslave yourselves to him. This in fact is a straight path. Then among themselves, some groups disagreed. They fell into disagreement. Then the worst form of punishment, horrible punishment, will be for those who did wrong out of the punishment of a, uh, a painful day. Made up of, min here will be made up of the punishment of a painful day. Are they waiting around until the hour shows up itself? That it arrives at them and attacks them all out of nowhere in shock? And they won't have any realization whatsoever? Close friends, really best of friends. Khalil is actually one of the closest words for friendship. Like Ibrahim is called Khalilullah. وَاتَّخَذَ اللَّهُ إِبْرَاهِيمَ خَلِيلًا الْأَخِلَّاءُ يَوْمَئِذٍ Those that had been the closest friends on that day بَعْضُهُمْ لِبَعْضٍ عَدُوٍ will be enemies to one another إِلَّا الْمُتَّقِينَ Except for the people of taqwa, they will stay friends. يَا عِبَادِ My slaves لَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْكُمْ There's no fear on you today, اليوم وَلَا أَنْتُمْ تَحْزَنُونَ Nor are you the ones that are going to grieve. You see these words are in the second person. Which means Allah will address the believers on judgment day and no sound can be more calming on that day than Allah saying you have nothing to fear. Anybody else telling us don't worry, don't worry, it won't calm us down. But Allah will calm the believers down Himself. Usually we learn, لَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا هُمْ يَحْزَنُونَ Now we're reading, يَا عِبَادِ لَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْكُمْ وَلَا أَنْتُمْ الْيَوْمْ وَلَا أَنْتُمْ تَحْزَنُونَ so this is an honor, additional honor given to believers that on judgment day everybody else is terrified and believers are being given consolation directly from Allah Himself. May Allah make us of them. Those who believed in our miracles and our revelations and they had been Muslims. Enter Jannah. You and your spouses. Now it's as though that conversation is continuing because Ya Ibad was Amr. Ya Ibad. Listen up slaves, and now the same Allah is saying, enter Jannah. So in Zumar we learned, angels are saying, come into the gates, please come through. Now Allah Himself is saying, enter Jannah, you and your spouses. Tuhbarun. Tuhbarun comes from the word hubur. Hubur in the Arabic language. Shiddatu surur, extreme happiness. وَهُوَ شَيْءٌ مِنَ الصَّفَاءِ وَالْوَضَاءِ وَالْبَهَاءِ وَتَعْلُوا وَجْهَ الْإِنسَانِ حِينَمَا يَفْرَحُوا فَرْحًا لَا يَنْغَصُهُ شَيْءٌ they say if uh, uh, you have so much happiness that nothing can make you upset. Nothing can make, that's hibr or hubur. So you, today you have been made happy beyond all sadness. There's no sadness left. You are happy beyond happy. And tuhbarun is the maf'ul form, the passive form, majhul form. What that suggests is this happiness wasn't even possible for you before. This is a form of passive uh, happiness that's been instilled into you. It's been given to you. 
yutafu alayhim bi sihafin which this should be really happy about this ayah then there's the servants are going around with sihaf you know what sihaf is gigantic trays gigantic trays with multiple plates in them that the entire family can eat from or if a plate back in traditional days they used to have gigantic plates they would put them in the middle of the floor and the whole family ate from the same plate like traditional Afghani families Talha. the Afghani families do this traditional Afghani families Yemeni families have this Khaliji families have this, this is a gigantic plate and everybody digs in but these servants are coming around with massive plates going all around. يُطَافُوا عَلَيْهِمْ بِصِحَافٍ صِحَافٍ مِنْ صَفْحَةٍ وَهِيَ الطَّبَقِ الْوَاسِعِ A large plate. الَّذِي تَأْكُلُ فِيهِ الْأُسْرَةِ كُلَّهَا The one from which the, the, the family, all of it can eat. مِنْ ذَهَبٍ وَأَكْوَابٍ Now the plate themselves, the trays themselves are made of gold and silver. And وَأَكْوَابٍ They're made of gold and aquab, gigantic cups, large cups. وَفِيهَا مَا تَشْتَهِيهِ الْأَنفُسِ and in it is going to be whatever makes people, what, what people really, really want to have. So you'll have cravings. You'll, you'll want to drink something. And what you really, really want to drink is going to be inside these, these large cups. And then on top of that, there's going to be, the, the eyes are going to enjoy tastes. Ladha is usually for the tongue. Delicious food. But the eyes are going to enjoy wonderful taste. Allah acknowledges that there's such a thing as something pleasing to the eyes. The eyes looking at like looking at something. People go to the you know these decoration stores, they go to like IKEA or they go to like I don't know, one of those those fancy stores like Pier One or something, and they look at all that decorative This will look good here, that'll look good there. This color matches that color. You know, we, we want things that are pleasing to the eyes. And that's an industry in and of itself. Interior decoration, fashion, colors of cars. What color car am I going to pick? What's, what looks good? Most people purchase a car because of how it looks. You know, what it looks like. So, this is... Now Allah will give us things to look at in Jannah and we're just going to be like, our eyes are going to taste the joy of it. You'll look at stuff and you'll be like, wow. Can't take my eyes off of that. وَأَنْتُمْ فِيهَا خَالِدُونَ And in that you will permanently remain. In it you will permanently remain. وَتِلْكَ الْجَنَّةِ الَّتِي أُرِثْتُمُهَا This and that in fact happens to be the ultimate paradise which you all have inherited. بِمَا كُنْتُمْ تَعْمَلُونَ Because of the things you were doing. لَكُمْ فِيهَا فَاكِهَةٌ كَثِيرَةٌ مِنْهَا تَأْكُلُونَ In it you're going to find all kinds of joyous fruits. Happy fruits. Fruits you eat and make you happy. From which you get to pick, you will get to eat. No doubt criminals are going to be in the punishment of hell and Jahannam permanently. There will not be any fatra. Fatra means a span of time, a break. They will not be given a break. There will be no recess. There will be no short, like we'll be back after the following. The punishment will continue. And in it they will be completely hopeless. Mublis. And that's from you, you get the word Iblis from that too, who, the one who's lost all hope. We didn't wrong them, they're the ones that had been wrong all along. Then they'll make a call. Ya Malik. Malik. Malik is the guardian of Hellfire, he's the angel in charge, the, the head warden of Hellfire. The angel, his name is Malik. So they say, Ya Malik. لِيَقْضِ عَلَيْنَا رَبُّكَ 
Tell your master to just kill us already. You should just be done with us. You should finish us off. Qala innakum He says, you are going to remain and wait. Makatha, to remain somewhere, waiting. Musa says to his family, I'm going up to the mountain, what do you do? Umkuthu, stay here waiting. Don't just stay, stay waiting until I get back. So, innakum makithun, you'll keep waiting for that prayer to be answered. Laqad jinaakum bil haq, we had brought you the truth. Walakinna aktharakum lil karihun, but most of you were disgusted by the truth. When it came to the truth, you didn't want, you didn't want to hear it. Am abramu amran? Now Allah asks the question about after depicting the scene of hellfire. He says, have they tied up their rope? Am abramu amran? Ibram in Arabic means to the rope used in construction. When you have, you know, back in the day when two planks were put together, you didn't nail them together, you tied them together. So you take the strongest kind of rope you can find, you double it and you coil it, so you see those twists in a rope that makes it strong. You use that to, try to, to tie beams of wood together, that's old construction. And when you knot it together, you try to knot it in a way that nobody can undo. Because it's for construction, it's dangerous if it's loose. So the strongest kinds of knots in Arabic are called ibram, the idea of tying a very strong rope with a very strong knot. That is tied with the intent of never undoing it. You don't want to undo it, that's called ibram. Now, this is a figure of speech in the Qur'an, very powerful one. Allah says, have they tied up the knot as when it comes to the decision? The decision of remaining kuffar, the decision of not believing. After describing hellfire, Allah says, are you, are you sure? You don't want to go back on your decision to disbelieve. Is it as sure as somebody who's tied up the knot? Who's not going to go back on it? Because it's a permanent knot now. If that's the case, fa, then, and only then, inna mubrimun, then we've tied up our knot also. We've tied up the knot to send you what I, in the place I just described. The, the hellfire. So there's a if and then situation. Am and inna situation, fa situation. Is it the case then that they are sure they want to be disbelievers? Then I'm sure I want to send them to the hellfire. Now, this ayah has many benefits and of them is why, why does Allah want to say, go, send people to hellfire? He doesn't. It's the consequence. It's sababiyya. It's fa. In other words, they made this, this decision first. Then Allah made his decision. Allah didn't make his decision first in the ayah. They made up their mind and they're not willing to go back on it. But then Allah makes his decision. For grammar students, there's an additional treasure here that it's abramu is fi'il madi, it's in the past tense. And mubrimun is an ism, it's permanent. So even though they're sure they're not going to go back on their decision, they will. When judgment day arrives, they're going to wish they were Muslims. But then, fa'inna mubrimun, we've already tied up our decision. Our decision is final, it's not going to be reversed. Am yahsabuna anna la nasma'u sirrahum wa najwahum? Have they otherwise assumed that we, in fact, don't hear their, their secret? And their secret counsel? So there's personal secret, sir. Then there's collective secret, najwa. When multiple people are holding a secret together, that's najwa. Because they're trying to keep a secret meeting about what they're, how they're going to attack Islam. Bala wa rusuluna. Ladayhim yaktubun. Oh no, not at all. And our messengers, meaning the angels, are in their company writing everything down. We get a full intelligence briefing on all of their secret meetings. All of it's written out. Qul in kana lirrahmani waladun fa'ana awwalul abideen. Tell them, if at all the ar-Rahman, the extremely merciful, had a child, then I would be the first to worship. This is a form of speech in Arabic that is unlike English. 
it's, I'll have to repeat this, it's unlike English or other languages. Every language has its own rhetorical principles. It has its own way of expressing certain things. And in, in this form, if this was the case, then I would do it. Now we do do this in English, but not like we do it in Arabic. And that's important, that's why, because when you read this in English, then the Christians have ammunition. They say, oh, you said if, he, if God had a son, you'd worship him. Well, he does, there you go. You know? And actually, the, the, the Qadianis use this too. You know the Ahmadiyya movement? They used it too. There's a hadith about the Prophet ﷺ saying that if Ibrahim, the son of the Prophet ﷺ, if he had grown up, if he had grown up, he would have been a Prophet. If he had been allowed to live, he would have been a Prophet. That's what the Prophet said. So, you see, so they say, aha, you see, the door to prophethood is open. And then the response to them is, oh, really, it's open? Because then Allah says, if he had a son, then the Prophet will be the first to worship him. Does that mean there's a door open for Allah having a son? No. The principle of the language is, when you want to talk about something that's absolutely impossible, you put yourself on the line. You put yourself, and you're saying, my life and my conviction is worth it. I'm going to put myself on the line and say, if this was the case, that I'd be the first. I am the first. فَأَنَا And it's not even, لَكُنْتُ Then I would have been. Then I am. I am the first, but I'm not the first is the point. I'm never, that's never going to be the case. It's, it's an absolute impossibility. قُلْ إِنْ كَانَ لِلرَّحْمَانِ وَلَدٌ فَأَنَا أَوَّلُ الْعَابِدِينَ سُبْحَانَ رَبِّ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ رَبِّ الْعَرْشِ How above that allegation he's supposed to be. Declare his perfection the, of, the, of the master of the skies and the earth. The master of the throne. عَمَّا يَصِفُونَ Way above the attributions you make. فَذَرْهُمْ And leave these people. يَخُوضُ Let them trash talk. Khawd, to talk about nonsense, to kill time, that, that's khawd, to not be serious about anything, to turn everything into a joke. These guys are just saying this to get under your skin. They're not really seriously, religiously, and, and spiritually looking for guidance, they just want to talk. They just want to tangle you up in a debate and they like to see you get worked up. Leave them alone. يَخُوضُوا وَيَلْعَبُوا Let them trash talk and let them play around. حَتَّى يُلَاقُوا يَوْمَهُمْ Until they come into contact with their day. الَّذِي يُعَدُونَ That has been promised to them. هُوَ الَّذِي فِي السَّمَاءِ إِلَاهٌ وَفِي الْأَرْضِ إِلَاهٌ He is Allah in the sky and He is the one to be worshipped in the sky and the one to be worshipped in the earth. This because the conversation was to the Christian community, right? This is very similar to the Lord's Prayer. Very, very similar to the Lord. You know, thy kingdom come in heaven as it is in earth. That's a, that's a very common Christian de declaration. And Allah says in the conversation about Isa salam, Allah is the one whose, heaven, whose kingdom belongs. He's the one in the skies and in the earth. And He's the ultimate authority, the all-knowledgeable. By the way, Sama in Arabic also means above. He's the one who's above and the one in the earth. So you shouldn't just translate that as sky. It's actually He's the one that is above. The word sama is unlimited. The word samawat is limited. It's interesting in Arabic that the word sama just means above. And when you say above, you didn't put a limit on it. But when you say samawat, you're saying seven layers of what is above. So you put at least a layer of seven on it. So Allah doesn't put Himself in a limit. So He says, and how full of barakah, how full of the power of blessing he 
is the one who owns the kingdom of the skies and the earth. The Baruch we talked about in detail before. Two things you should always remember about Barakah. Two things. One is Aziyada fil Khair. He brings more good than is expected out of something. Barakah means more good comes out than was expected. The second is Istikhrajul Khair. To bring good out of something that has the potential of it inside. Like the seed cannot bring out its goodness until the water comes on it. So the ma' becomes ma'un mubarak. Water is mubarak, right? So the same way, How full of barakah is the one who owns the kingdoms of the skies and the earth? And whatever lies between them, And he alone owns the knowledge of the hour, and to him alone will all of you be returned. Those who they are calling other than him do not own any intercession, any, any possibility of making a case before Allah. Except the one that testifies with truth. And the one who testifies with truth will not be making a case for them, will be making a case against them. We've already read about the skin testifying against you, the hands testifying against you. So the only kind of testif- testimony they'll find is true testimony, which is not going to go to their favor. And they know that. And that day they will know, and they know very well. If you were to ask them who created them, they will absolutely say Allah. Then how are they turned away? And I swear by his word. Qil Mastar. Qil Mastar. Qala Yaqulu Qawlan wa Qalan wa Qilan. Wa Maqulan wa Maqalan is multiple. Qil is like Qawl. And it's used elsewhere in the Quran too. Like we read, وَمَنْ أَصْدَقُ مِنَ اللَّهِ قِيلَ قِيلَ So قِيل here is an ism. Some people get confused by is it قِيل, it should be قِيلَ What's going on is وَاوَ الْقَسَمُ وَقِيلِهِ And he swears, Allah swears, Allah says, I swear by his word. The word of the Prophet ﷺ. I swear by it. يَا رَبِّ إِنَّ هَاؤُلَاءِ قَوْمٌ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ My master, these are the people, they, don't, they refuse to believe. They don't believe. Now what is this ayah, the depths of this ayah and the serious nature of this ayah? The Prophet ﷺ will be testifying. And in the previous ayat, we just heard, like, like pay attention, what Allah says, إِلَّا مَنْ شَهِدَ بِالْحَقِّ Except the one who testifies with the truth. And I swear to the testimony of my Prophet, when he says these words, my master, this nation, no doubt this nation is a group of people that don't believe. Now in this surah, did we not learn that the, one of the main reasons, one of the only reasons Quraysh hasn't been destroyed is what? Because the Prophet's still there. If he was removed, they would be annihilated. They'd be destroyed. Now the very reason they're surviving is the very person, the very person who's the reason for their survival, is the very person that testifies on Judgment Day and speaks and Allah swears by it, He's gonna be saying, you're the group of people that don't believe. So if I was gonna destroy you in dunya, what am I gonna do with you in akhirah when my messenger testifies against you? Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This is pretty heavy stuff. And even though this is so heavy in akhirah, Look at the transformation at the end of the surah. It's so heavy that the messenger, Allah swears by his statement that he will testify against these people. Right now is not the time. Right now you just have to deliver a message to them and you have to be patient with them. You can't do this right now. This, a day for that will come. 
And even the messenger is in shock. He doesn't want to testify against his own, his own people. He's rahmatan lil alameen. But this is something he will be made to do. We will bring them as witnesses. We will make you, we will bring you as a witness against these people. But then right now, what should you do? Fasfah. Turn the page, ignore it, leave them alone. Notice, Safhan was in the beginning of the surah. Allah said, أَفَنَضْرِبُ عَنْكُمُ الذِّكْرَ Safhan أَنْ كُنْتُمْ قَوْمًا مُسْرِفِينَ Are we going to just turn away from you, apologize as an excuse for you, out of apology to you? Turn the page, oh, these people are so deluded in their transgression and their extravagance that we should go easy on them because they're just so messed up, it'll take time with them. So we shouldn't even bother them with the message of Islam. No, 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 no. That Allah will not turn the message away from you, but when you become extremely arrogant and obnoxious, what the messenger is commanded to do is just ignore it, turn the page, don't let it bother you, anhum wa qul salamun, and just say peace to them, ya'lamun. Soon they'll find out. Right now you pay, say peace. The words on the Prophet's tongue on the judgment, day of judgment are not words of peace. are not words of peace. But right now there's peace. Salamun. Soon they'll find out. Soon they'll find out what it means to insult my messenger. This warning is true for the Prophet and it's also true for us when we deal with people that hate Islam. Because the Prophet in these ayat, in these surahs, he's dealing with people that hate Islam. They're insulting him, they're insulting Quran, they're insulting the message, they're talking about Allah having daughters, blasphemy. Stuff that boils a believer's blood. And if it boils your, your and my blood, can you imagine the Prophet? You know, we believe in these things, but our belief is nothing compared to his. But he's told, just let it go. Don't let it get to you. Grow a thick skin. Avoid it. Ignore it. And just maintain a peaceful relation with them. These are some heavy expectations. And this, these expectations began with Surah Fusilat. Then they continued in Surah Shura, and now they're, they're continuing here. But here we added a, a, an additional dimension on top, and that dimension is of... Allah, right now they're enjoying this. But judgment day is coming. And if they've made up their mind, then they deserve the worst punishment. And what's the worst punishment? The Prophet testifies against you. That's the worst punishment. But for now, just don't worry about it. Soon they'll, I'll deal with them soon enough. May Allah Azza wa protect us from the, the complaining testimony of our Messenger وسلم, and may Allah make all of us worthy of his shafa'ah. بارك الله لي ولكم في القرآن الحكيم ونفعني وإياكم بالآيات وذكر الحكيم والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته